Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to preach a message tonight like we would talk about on a Friday morning, okay? But it's going to be for everybody, and I do this from time to time, and I just felt led to do this. This is, this is what makes the church strong, amen? His discipleship messages, so if you're taking notes tonight, I'm looking for some leaders. How many leaders do I have in this place? Let me see the leaders across this place. How many that didn't raise your hand would like to be a leader? How many would like to to, uh, become a leader and be a person that people could follow? Amen? That's what we're developing in church. Discipleship develops leaders. So if you're taking notes, I want to talk about living blameless tonight. Amen? The, The best way that you can lead is by leading a life. That is blameless. Now, how, how many would think just hearing that title that all of a sudden, right off the bat, we're thinking, I can't be that. I mean, no, that's the first thing that enters into our minds. I can't be blameless. Nobody's blameless. Only Jesus is blameless. Well, that's kind of the reason a lot of times we don't grow is because we think, well, I can't do that or I can't be that. God is expecting us to reach He's expecting us to get, to draw closer to him every day. Amen. So I want to get into this, and we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. I have just a few verses tonight, chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read a few verses here. We're going to read verses 1 to 3 to start off. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. For you know yourselves, you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered, and I want you to write that word down in your notes, suffered, suffered, write that down, before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak, and I want you to write that down, speak, suffering, speaking, to you the gospel of God in much conflict, I want you to write that down, conflict, so suffering, speaking, Conflict. For our exhortation did not come, watch this, from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. I want you to write that word down, deceit. These are some key words for discipleship. Key things that we have to understand that Jesus has asked of us as disciples. Read this again. For our exhortation. So what he's saying is, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not working on myself. Discipleship is a two-way street, and so if I'm discipling somebody and I'm sharing uh, my faith with them and I'm teaching them something that they can learn, then I have to be being discipled by somebody, and I have to be working on the thing that I'm asking them to work on. So he says, I'm not coming to you to ask you to be blameless or be clean if I'm not trying to live that life myself, nor is there in me any deceit. And we'll get into that a little bit more. Now skip down to verse 10 to verse 12. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. And real quick before we read this, in discipleship, this, this is uh, we always take notes, I hope, but especially in discipleship messages, you, you, should, you might be wondering, what do I write down? You write down what you hear that catches your ear. Something speaks to your spirit, and you write that down. It catches you. It's, it, it, discipleship is a lot of, of things to remember, a lot of thoughts to think. It's provoking. Discipleship causes us to be greater. 
to become less of ourselves and more like Jesus, but it's a, it's a decision. We're going to see several words here in a moment. Now it says, you are witnesses. Write that down. Witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly, and here's the word, blamelessly, we behaved ourselves among you. I'm going to read this verse again. Who believe. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly, so what he's saying is here, here is, the person who is, is a disciple, a true disciple, doesn't have to, to uh, uh, what's the word, um, convince somebody else that he's a disciple. The person is watching and they are seeing as witnesses that they are blameless people, that they behave themselves a certain way. And so a disciple doesn't walk around saying, I'm a disciple, I'm a disciple, I'm a disciple, look at me, look at me, I'm a disciple. A disciple lives his life or her life in a certain way that people witness their lifestyle. And it says, we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Verse 11, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged Every one of you, I want to say a saying here real quick, another thing for you to write down. God's will is to comfort the afflicted. Okay? Comfort the afflicted. And, if, and, and also afflict the comfortable. Did you all get that? If you're too comfortable, then God's going to mess your hair up a little bit. He's going to come and afflict you a little bit. He's going to come and deal with you on some things. But if you're afflicted and you're suffering and you're going through some things, he'll come and he'll comfort you. What that means is God doesn't ever want us to be too comfortable. Because when I'm comfortable, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Didn't say you couldn't be happy. Didn't say you couldn't be at peace. But God does not want us to be comfortable. Can I, can I get a better Amen. And charge every one of you as a father does his own children, verse 12, that you would, here it is, walk worthy. Walk worthy. Not, not on Wednesday night. Not at church on Sunday. Not at the outreach for the backpacks. Not on Sunday at, at an, as an impact team. But that you would walk worthy at your workplace. That you would walk worthy at your school, teenager. That you would walk worthy in a situation that has compromise written all over it. You're walking worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Lord, for the next few minutes, anoint this discipleship tonight in this church. Grow us, lead us, teach us. Comfort us, afflict us, challenge us, give us whatever we need so we can walk out of here as overcoming disciples of Jesus Christ. Devil, you're defeated in Jesus' name. You have no power and no authority. And we thank you for it in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. I don't think I'm going to get through this. I can already tell. This will maybe be a couple Wednesdays. Write this down. Here's a key of discipleship. I love how the Holy Spirit works. I tell you that all the time. I had this message prepared tonight, and I get a random text from, from my pastor telling me this quote. And I thought, ain't, isn't God, ain't, sorry, ain't, I know that's Texan. Isn't God amazing? Here it is. You ready? 
We must suffer. Now I got you right there. Suffer? Who? I don't want to suffer. We must suffer. When we says we must means we're going to have to. So basically we don't have a choice. From one of two pains. Okay, so basically what I'm telling you is you're, you're going to have two pains tonight. You're going to have, and, and one option is pain and the other option is pain. But you get to choose which one. How many like the option? At least you get to choose which one, okay? Here it is. The pain of discipline. There, that's a pain. Discipline is a pain. Discipline is suffering. Discipline is, is putting your body in subjection, saying no to things that your body wants to do, your mind wants to do, your, your thoughts want to do. Following me? Or the pain of regret. Let me say that again. Discipleship. You're going to have pain no matter what. But, he sa- but this, this, this quote and this thought is saying, one pain is a good pain, a, a, a loud pain, a pain that you permit, a pain that you want, a pain that you choose to have, which is called discipline. Paul said, I beat my body into subjection. Or you can have the pain of regret. How many are following what that means? If you don't discipline yourself and have the suffering of the pain of discipline, then you're going to regret things you do. You're going to regret missing out on opportunities. You're going to regret and regret and regret, and regret's not good. Discipline is good. So here's the second part. The difference is discipline weighs in ounces and regrets weigh in tons. Y'all get that? So the suffering, the pain, is something that God is doing in us, and we're allowing God to do in us. Or and and so we we get God what God's results and God's work, or we have to deal with regret, which is tons of pain. In other words, the discipline a lot of times is short term, because there's a reward coming. But regret has a long term suffering. Can I get an amen so I can move on? If we're going to see a move of God, there has to be some suffering. Now, I know that I could spend a whole message on suffering because it doesn't necessarily mean just in, in, in self-inflicted pain or the suffering that we might be thinking of when we hear the word suffering. I think of the word suffering to be loss. We're going to have to lose some things sometimes or we're going to have to give some things up. Okay? If we're going to see a move of God. How, I know we want to see a move of God, and I believe we're seeing a move of God. I believe we're in a move of God. And so back to you are witnesses. I hope you wrote that down. Here is a healthy sign of a good church. A good church has leaders who correct each other. Like a body has cells that protect its body, and when something's wrong in the body, the healthy cells go to that part of the body and correct it. A healthy church is not having somebody tell you something and seeing something in your life that might be wrong and and you getting mad because you've been saved longer than them. 
A good, healthy church will take correction because it's true, not who it's from. Now, to be blameless, let's talk about this a little bit. What that means is free from blame or accusation. Free from blame or accusation. How many know for you to be free from blame or accusation, you have to live yourself, your life a certain way? Amen? I'll give you an example. I learned this many, many, many years ago. This is, this is good discipleship right here. I, and, and remember that in this discipleship, I was talking to my wife a little about this a little bit. you got to remember, I'm a man. No question about it. Just stay there for a second. I'm, I'm a man. I know I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm not a woman or anything else. So I only know how to deal with the feelings and emotions and thoughts and actions of a man. So in discipleship, when I'm discipling men, that's why I disciple men, because I can teach them things that I know they're going through. And that's why it's important that there is general discipleship like this, but I, I can't do justice to a woman what I can do to a man because I'm not a woman. So there's some things that I'm going to say or some things that I'm going to think or some things I'm going to teach you that you have to grab as a man for a man. And, and then as women, you're going to have to grab things as a woman for a woman. And that's what the, the way the model's set up is that as, as a woman in this church, you're to be looking at women starting with my wife. My wife doesn't have to have a microphone to disciple you. My wife doesn't have to stand on a stage to disciple you. Discipleship is caught, not taught, meaning you watch a person's life. You look at other women besides my wife in this church who are godly women, have good marriages, are carrying themselves in a certain way, and you learn from them, and you ask them questions, and you're discipled by other women. Okay? But here's an example for a man talking about being blameless. One of the most dangerous things a man can have happen is to have an accusation that he did something to a woman. Right? Think about the story of Job. We know Job was a, not Job, sorry, Joseph. Joseph was a righteous man. One of the greatest men in the history of the world. One of the greatest men in the Bible. And even though God allowed some of the things that he went through to happen so that he could take him to another place. By the way, you want to talk about suffering, go read, go read about Joseph. But I'm saying this for a reason about Joseph because when Joseph got accused by Potiphar's wife, Joseph, although he did not do anything wrong, could have avoided the accusation. How? By not being alone in the house with Potiphar's wife. The way you remain blameless is by not putting yourself in a position to be blamed. And so many, many, many years ago, a man of God spoke to me and gave me a word that I've never forgotten. And he said, God wants to use you. God's going to do great things in your life. But you just, and it wasn't that I had, just because I had a tendency, this is across the board common sense. He said, watch and be sure that you're never alone with a woman. Ever. And God will keep you. 
And from that word till this day, you can ask anybody that knows me, I will not be in a room by myself with a woman besides my wife. I am overly crazy about that. Because all it takes is someone to say that I did something, and if it's just me and that person in that room, I'm accused. That's, by, that's called living above reproach. So that's just an example. How many are following me on that? And, and so that, that goes across the board. And let me tell you something. Nowadays, with the, way we're, the world we're living in today, you've got to be careful to be alone in a room with anybody, let alone the opposite sex. So you just have to be careful. But think about Joseph. As great of a man of God as he was, he could have avoided that problem if he'd have gotten that house and realized, whoa, hold on, time out. I'm in here. There's no other servants. There's no other workers. That's just Potiphar's wife. And on top of that, he knew that she was wanting to be with him. On top of that. So to be blameless means no deceit in your life. How many would like to know what deceit means? Deceit means, here's some things deceit is not. Not manipulative. Not crafty. Not having ulterior motives. Deceitful is where you're figuring out a way to get around something. We need to be open and transparent if we're going to be blameless. So we want no deceit in our lives. Think about this. This is going along the lines of, of deceit. Do, think about tonight. The Holy Spirit might. Do you owe anybody anything? Do you owe anybody anything? That's always a good thing to, to check and see. Is there somebody that I owe money to? Is there somebody I owe a tool to? Is there somebody I owe something to? We should be free of owing anybody anything. Okay? Deceit, deceitless. I don't owe anything. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, we need to live what we preach. For our exhortation did not come, I'm going back to this verse, from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Write this down if you're taking notes. You will preach or witness the way you pray. You will preach or witness the way you pray. So I see some of y'all wiping your heads from sweat. It's hot in here tonight. I don't know if one of these ACs isn't working or what, but even my wife was hot. How many know, thank God, that if you look at the Weather Channel, I got some good news this week. I see, I see no hundreds in the future. Is, is, are any of you lizards and crazy folks that love the heat ready for the hundreds to be over? Even you people that like the heat, I think, are tired of these hundreds. Can I get an amen? So did you get that note right there? You will preach or witness how you pray. That goes back to the message I preached at conference about time spent with God. When we pray with authority and power, we will witness with authority and power. When we pray with boldness, when we pray with intimacy, when we pray with, with, a, with, a, with a, uh, a fervency, when we pray with a, 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 something in front of us that we're heading towards, we'll see that in our witness. We'll see that in our living. 
if you spend enough time with God, you're going to get to a place where you don't want the things of this world anymore. When you look at a person who is a Christian by name, but carnal by nature, or a Christian, I don't even want to say that because that, that's actually a truth, Christian by name or carnal by action, the problem with that person, I guarantee you, is there's no prayer life. Thank you for that one very lonely amen. Can I get an amen somewhere over here? That, that hit a nerve. Isn't it amazing what, what hitting the nerve of prayer does? If you spend time with God, you're, gonna, you're not going to want to hurt him. When you spend time with someone, you don't want to hurt them. So prayer is an authority that comes, a dominion that comes out of this thought. No deceit. No uncleanness. Write this word down. Purity. Now, I'm going to give another example. And again, this is an example from a man to men. This might fall for some women, but this is more of an example from man to man. This, every time, men, and we talk about this all the time in, dis, in discipleship. By the way, um, I, I want to put something out there that we do in discipleship so you know how transparent we are. As soon as a new person comes, and I learned this from my pastor many years ago, as soon as a new person comes to discipleship, we open up their Bible and tell them to write down three words. She will tell. I told that to my mom last week, and she died laughing. I mean, in a good way, right? She couldn't believe that we told the guys that. She just laughed and laughed and laughed. And she said, that's pretty good. So there's something that a guy has to deal with. Again, I can't tell what, a, what girls deal with or ladies deal with because I'm not that. But guys have to deal with their eyes. The lust of looking at a woman. Jesus dealt with that in the Bible. He said, if a man even looks at a woman with lust in her eyes, he's committed the act. And so a man has to be careful to learn how to walk in a way that's worthy of God and not looking at women in a lustful way. Teenagers. We have to train ourselves as men to turn our heads the other way. We have to train ourselves as men to change our thoughts if we see something. You know, sometimes it's right in front of us. And, and, and listen, thank God that's not here in this church, but it, there's been times we've had to deal with that where we don't need that in church. We get enough temptation outside of the church. Amen. Ladies, dress modestly. Amen. So that the men don't have. But here's what I'm trying to tell. When a guy when a guy's walking and a woman walks by that is good looking or pretty, that man has a temptation to watch and look and lust. But every time that man makes a decision to not look again on that woman, he is getting an anointing in his life by disciplining his eyes and saying, I'm not going to look at that woman. We have a thing called Job Alert that Job said in the word of God, he said, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look on a woman with lust in my eyes. So I asked my wife, what is y'all's problem? What do y'all got to deal with? And she just gave me one. This, this, this is what she came up with. You might have something else. She said, women have problem with gossiping. So that's what she said. She said there's a struggle there to not, you know, keep talking about the situation. Now, you may have something totally different, and that's why I'm dis I, I, when I say that with men, I can be totally 100% sure that's the problem we have. 
but I can only say what my wife says, and you may have some other things, but how many are following what I'm trying to say? There's things we got to deal with in our flesh that deals with being blameless and clean and pure, and every time I do a, a double take o- over a woman not looking back at her, I increase my anointing. Being without deceit, without manipulation, ulterior motives. Here's a good way to live. Live today as if Jesus could come right now. Every day. Wake up every morning. Jesus, today could be the day. Go to sleep every night. Jesus, tonight could be the night. I'm, count me worthy, Lord. I mean, no, that's a good way to live. Every day. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go there. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, don't forget my law. Now, this is going to get to the good part because there is blessings from being discipled and disciplined. My son, don't forget my law. Let your heart keep my commands. Look at this. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. How many would like to have some peace and length of days added to your life? How do we do that? By keeping the word of God. Loving the word of God. Wanting to do the word of God. Not just being hearers, but being doers as well. Next verse. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's discipline. And so find, watch this, favor. How many would like to have favor with God? How many would like to have favor with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That he, he looks on you and he, 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 he is excited about you and happy and not, wanting, not even needing to correct you because you're just doing right. Now look at this. Look at what this verse promises. You'll find favor and high esteem not only in the sight of God but of man. You're going to have favor. I want to give you three things that will happen when you live a disciplined life and a blameless life. Three things. Number one, we just said it. You'll get favor. I could give a thousand examples. Favor is something that happens that shouldn't happen. It's an open door. It's an opportunity. It's something that is given to you that's not given to anybody else. It's something that happens that you didn't ask for. It's, it's again, a door opening that, that other, other people are having the door shut on them. Favor. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Actually, got to look in my Bible. Say amen when you get there. For our gospel, listen to this, did not come to you in word only. How many know there's a lot of people that talk? But in power. And in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, watch this, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And there it is in the New Living. Watch this. And you, I wanted this part in New Living. And you know of our concern for you from the way we what? From the way we talked. From the way we said you should live. What does it say? From the way we lived. When we were with you. 
Favor of God. Favor with men. Number two, God will elevate you. How many of you ever got a, a job in your promotion? Sorry, promotion in your job. That might work too, amen. How many have ever gotten a promotion in your job? You were elevated to another place at work. God wants to elevate us. There's an elevation that God gives us in, in the kingdom of God when we're living a blameless life. Let's look at to close, 1 Samuel chapter 18. This kind of goes, again, hand in hand and parallel with some of the stuff I was talking about at the conference message. I was actually in chapter 8 talking about Samuel and Saul and this part talks about with David but it says therefore when Saul saw that he had behaved very wisely he was afraid of him you know there's a verse in the Bible that says that God will cause your enemies to fall before you when you're living a blameless life and you're disciplining yourself and you're making self-sacrifice and you're making the right decisions your enemies will fall at your side Matter of fact, there's another verse that says he'll make your enemies to have peace with you. That's favor. That's elevation. But all Israel and Judah loved David. Why? Because he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me. And fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistine, just hold this there for a second, be against him. When you're blameless, when you're doing right, you're also a greater target for the devil. Because the devil's looking for trophies. He likes to make good people fall. And so we have to make a decision to understand that we're not going to give a place to the devil. We're not going to allow that door to open up. So David's doing the right thing, and he's got a target on his back, and now Saul is plotting to kill him, and he's done this many times, amen, and he's done it over and over again. And so now he's saying, I'm not going to lift a hand on him, but I'm going to get someone else to kill him. This is what he's saying here. Let the hand of the Philistines, Philistines be against him. Verse 18. So David said, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? Listen, write this down. God cannot use compromise. He could have very easily right here said, you know what? If I marry his daughter, I'll become Saul's son-in-law. Maybe he'll stop chasing me. Maybe he'll stop coming after me. Maybe I can make amends with him. But that would have been a compromise. God cannot use compromise. So if we're going to be used mightily by God, compromise cannot be an option. Number three, last one. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, please. Number one was favor. Number two was God will elevate you. And number three, and this kind of goes along with elevation, he'll give you proper perspective. When you are living a blameless life, you see things more clearly. You have a better perspective on life. Does that make sense, church? When you are not living right, you are living in confusion. 
Confusion is not of God. Confusion is of the devil. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. So when we are not doing the right things, there's confusion all around. But when we are doing the right thing, even in the midst of problems, in the midst of trials, in the midst of situations, God elevates us up to be able to be above the situation and get a proper perspective on what God wants us to see. Amen? What this means, this last point, don't lose me on this, is this. It's just simple. This means some people are constantly concerned or fixed on their own problems. Just what, what, can I, what do I need? What can I do to fix me? How can I make my life better? How can, I, how, can I, how can I elevate myself? How can I improve? How can I have a better life? And along with that, you got a whole lot of preachers telling you that's what you can have. You can have your best life. But that's not what God's talking about here. God is saying, I need you to Matthew 6.33 your life. I need you to seek the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and if you'll come and do the things I ask you to do and you obey my word, I'll give you the things you need and the things you want and the things you desire. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and it doesn't say some of the things. It says all of the things that you need will be added unto you. There's a favor. There's a perspective. There's an elevation when you are living a blameless life for God. Now, just a few things just to think about. How, how do we do this? Here's, the, here's what, what you have to get an attitude of. Sin does not have any dominance in my life. Do you believe you can live that kind of life? You can live a life where sin does not dominate your life. You dominate the sin nature. You take those cap thoughts captive. You transform your mind. You're not conformed to the things of this world. You don't have to say, I just can't help myself. She's so fine. No, you have a, a mind and a decision. I just can't help myself. I'm weak. No, the Bible says you have self-control. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. I, I, I'm just weak. That's because you have been in, haven't been in prayer. You need to get some neology. Amen. Get on your knees and pray. Seek the face of God. Get along with God. Let him speak to you. Let him love you. Let him teach you. Let him grow you. Let him show you what sin looks like on that cross. Let him show you what sin meant for him on that cross. Let him show you what true suffering is is get on your knees get on your face pray and you can have dominance over that thing and then here's another thing you need to do be brutally honest with yourself brutally honest with yourself some of us here we fool ourselves we think some of us are trying to manipulate our own selves how crazy is that but we do it you need to be brutally honest with yourself. This is an area in my life you need to say, I need help on. God, help me. I'm weak in this area. I want to be stronger. Be brutally honest with yourself. Maybe there's an addiction in your life. 
And maybe it's not pornography or drugs. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a hobby. That bounced all over the place. Pour out your heart to God. Get in your, get in your alone time with God and say, God, search me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And remove anything unrighteous from me. Last verse to close and we'll pray. Don't give a place to the devil. Don't give him no place. Nope. 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 Don't give him a place. Because he just needs a little little space. And he wants to come in and take over. So you have to you have to guard yourselves. You have to you have to make a, a daily decision. Church, it's not just because it sounds good that we tell you read your Bible every day. It's not just because it sounds good that we tell you to pray every day. It's because there's something that happens when you pray and read your Bible. It's called you die and Jesus comes alive. Amen. You die and Jesus comes alive. Father, all across this place, disciple us. Help us to live blameless lives. If God, if you said in your word that we can live blameless, that means we can because you don't ask us to do something we can't do. It's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by your spirit. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Lord, help us be led by the things of God and not by the things of the flesh. Help us. Lord, to live without deceit, starting with ourselves. Don't let us try to fool ourselves, God. And we can't fool you. We can't fool man. We definitely can't fool ourselves. Let us be honest with ourselves. And, Father, we thank you that the word will come alive in our lives. We'll live a disciplined life. We'll be witnesses for you. We'll speak with authority for you. And we'll be used by you, God. And we'll have the favor the elevation and the perspective that you want us to have. All across this place on this beautiful Wednesday night crowd of this special people who are hungry for the things of God, hungry to come and be discipled by the word of God. God's touching your heart. God's speaking to you tonight. God's causing you and drawing you to be more like him and less like this world. To set yourselves apart. To be holy and righteous and blameless in this perverse generation. Maybe you're here tonight all over this place and you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online tonight and you've never been born again. And today you are tired of running. You are tired of playing games. You are tired of living a life of misery and no purpose and no hope. And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, believe on me and you'll be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want to give you a, a hope and an expected end. How many all over this place tonight could say, Pastor, if I died tonight, right now, tonight, if my night was tonight, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. Just stick your hand up and put it right back down. Pray for me all over this place. All over this place. I'm not ready. 
I don't know where I'd go. Maybe you're running, backslidden, playing with God, messing around, doing things you shouldn't do. Your heart's cold. You're lukewarm. You need to come back into the fire tonight. You need to get back in love with Jesus. You need to come back to your first love. How many say, Jesus, that's me tonight. Just throw it up and put it down. Say, God, look at me. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? All over. All over. It's not about pleasing people. It's about pleasing Jesus. Jesus. And the way we please Jesus is living according to his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Bible says. But my words will never pass away. Things will come and go, but God's word remains the same. That's what we got to stand on is that word that never changes. Let's stand tonight all over this place. We're going to open up these altars to do business with God. Church, it's a Wednesday night. I want to say a prayer before we do for those that are watching online. There may be someone tonight that just happened to get on and watch. Someone who maybe is backslidden. Someone who's not living the right life. Or someone we don't even know. And their, their day may be tomorrow. Let's say a prayer with them from our hearts tonight. If you're watching online or listening on the podcast. Acts 16.31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. It's that simple. He did everything for you and all you have to do is believe. And then, and then the discipleship starts. And God starts to make you the person he wants you to be. But you got to let him change your life first. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe that your word says... All of us fall short of your glory. We're all sinners. And the wages of my sin is death, separation from you. Jesus, I believe that while I was still a sinner, while I was messed up, full of rebellion, you died for me. Not because I deserve it, but because of your mercy. Jesus, I call on you tonight, and I believe with all my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Take control. Let me live my life unto you. I die to myself tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.